Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Dave Kimura. Hey, everyone. We also have Valentino Stoll. Hey, now. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Alexandre Rupin. If you want to introduce yourself, let us know who you are, why you're famous, all that stuff. Yeah, so uh, my name is Alexandre, and I'm a Ruby on Rails developer from France. And I created a tutorial about uh, Turbo Rails that I published, and apparently he, this uh, tutorial had a great success. So here I am today. I'm really happy to be here. Nice. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So yeah, so this is a tutorial on Turbo and Hotwire in Rails, which has kind of been a hot topic off and on here on Ruby Rogues. I'm a little curious just to kind of get us kicked off. I mean, is there a story behind you putting this together? I mean, were you working with people that needed it or people asked questions or did it come from somewhere else? Well, yeah, when I, at my previous company, I was working on a project of quote editor. So exactly the same as what we'll build in uh, the tutorial. And it was built with React. And at the time, uh, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was the very, very beginning of Hotwire because the uh, hey from Basecamp just went out. And so mm -hmm. the gem was not included in Rails yet, but I was kind of seduced by the promise of not having to write any JavaScript to build some dynamic applications. And so I tried it out and then I was, you know, it completely blown my mind. And so I later rebuilt this quote editor with Hotwire. And I thought it would benefit a lot of people if I just document the process I went through. And that's what I did. So I kind of created this tutorial a bit like, I didn't think about it. I just wrote it mostly as some documentation and published it. And yeah, it, I guess it helped a lot of people. I have more than 10,000 visitors uh, per month on the tutorial, which is uh, oh, wow. ama amazing. Like I didn't imagine it would reach this, uh, those numbers. So I'm really happy about it. And yeah, that's the, the quick story of it. Cool. We've got the expert here, folks. So let's ask smart questions, right? That's mostly a reminder to myself. So where do we want to start? Do we want to start with Turbo? Do we want to start with React Sucks? Do we want to start with Hotwire, something else? I want to start with the history of Turbo. So if you remember way back in Rails 4 days, we got introduced to Turbo Link. Yeah, I remember people and hating honestly, on it. honestly, it was one of those things that I would just disable in my application because it caused so many problems. 
Mm-hmm. You know, because I was using a lot of different JavaScript libraries that did not work well with TurboLinks, and it was just really annoying. But then when TurboLinks 5 came out, that kind of like shifted things where a lot of the libraries just worked with it or worked with very minimal effort. And so that was really cool. And around that same time, we got React. And I think a lot of people jumped off of the Action View bandwagon and went over to React because it provided a lot of client-side UI, UX components that you could quickly, and I'm not going to say easily, but let's just say slowly create these components that you would then be able to have rich UI and interaction. But then we got Turbo. And I think with Turbo and Hotwire, which is just Stimulus and Hotwire combined, or I'm sorry, we got Hotwire, which is just Turbo and Stimulus combined. That completely changed the game. We don't need to really have this idea of client-side frameworks within Rails applications and modern Rails applications. It's completely changed the dynamic. And a lot of what people would reach for with React, you don't need to do anymore. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, this is this is something that... like. In my previous company, when we decided to build a code editor in uh, React, because Turbo uh, Turbo Rails didn't exist at the time, we had like we were a small team of four developers, and only two of us knew how to uh, write React code, right? And mm-hmm. there's also this problem with React that it's kind of complicated. You have to; it takes some time to learn. And once you're done with React, you also have like other libraries to to learn like for example redux if you want to keep state somewhere and all of this makes it really hard to learn and then yeah in most teams you end up with a back-end team and front-end team and this is something that when you're a very small company like we were at uh, at the time you want to avoid i guess and this is what one of the aspects that most amazed me is that if you want to learn turbo you only need like a couple of days because the API is very simple. Compared to React, it's a real bonus, I would say. And yeah. Alexandra, I would love if you could walk us through because I was going through your tutorial this week. Awesome. And I just love the the experiments that you have set up throughout to kind of test what is happening with Turbo and and the various parts of it. And I just want to, like we're, when we talk about Turbo Drive, right? Yes. Like that's a piece of the framework which was formerly Turbo Links, right? Like you were talking about, mm-hmm. Dave. So could you break down on a higher level, like what else is included in Turbo Rails that makes it... Because the Turbo Drive basically makes a sing- single-page application, right? Available yeah. by default in Rails. So what what else is included in that Turbo Rails framework? Yeah, that so adds s- snails. Snails. Yeah, so in the JavaScript library, there are three different components, right? There, there's Turbo Drive, which makes it easy to like transform your app in a, into a single page app because all the clicks on links and the form submissions become Ajax. So there's no full page reload anymore. And then there are two other components, which are Turbo Frames and uh, Turbo Streams. And so Turbo Frames, they enable you to slice your page into different independent frames. Like when you click in a link that's in a frame, then you're going to replace this frame with the frame with the same ID from the other page. So this enables you to slice your page into different independent pieces, just like you could do as well with uh, React. And then there are Turbo Streams, 
and TurboStream is kind of like in Turbo Rails, you can make TurboStream requests and TurboStream requests, they are a special format in HTML where you have like an action and a target. And you can say, for example, I want to target this ID in the DOM and replace it with the HTML that's contained in the, in the template. And so, yeah, this is for the JavaScript library. And then there's Turbo Rails, which is the turbo integration for Rails. And so it comes with a few things, right? Uh, there's one object that is used to build TurboStream views. Like you, we can use the TurboStream.replace or TurboStream.create, uh, uh, I don't know, append, prepend, all those things. And then there's the integration with Action Cable as well. Like you can say broadcast append to or things like that if you want to yeah, broadcast some HTML each time a resource is uh, saved or updated or destroyed, things like that. So it's quite a big library uh, if you take the JavaScript part and the Ruby on Rails integration. And actually, I have another tutorial. So there's the tutorial that is free, and the tutorial that is free is like how to use the, the framework, uh, so Turbo Rails. And there's another tutorial, but this one is paid, and it's about how to rebuild to, uh, Turbo Rails library, but we're not talking about JavaScript, only the Ruby parts. Mm. You know, one of the things that I love about Turbo Streams is that it doesn't render out the request back to the Rails application, doesn't render out the entire layout and everything. It's really just rendering out or sending back to the client just that Turbo Frame tag with the ID. So your the amount of data you're sending over the wire is much smaller, whereas before, if you were doing uh, UJS and AJAX requests, a lot of times you were going to get a lot more sent back over the wire. Yeah, you don't have the layout by default when you send back some Turbo Stream, a Turbo Stream response. The layout is removed for you. And I think that there are, there are kind of some interesting uh, discussions around this because, for example, this layout, you don't want it most of the time. But sometimes maybe you would like, you know, to have a layout just to render flash messages, for example. And so in the Turbo library there, I remember there were a lot of uh, discussions about, about this. So it's kind of an interesting issue. Yeah. But still today there is no layout, uh, well, included by default when you make a Turbo stream response. And so for flash messages, it's a kind of boring because you have to, you know, specify it every time that you want to render a flash message or something like that. Yeah, but also the nice thing is if you do have a situation where you are using a Rails engine or some other library where it does not play nicely with Turbo, you are able to disable Turbo on those specific areas. Yes. For exactly. example, like device. You know, there yeah. are workarounds to get device working natively with Rails 7 Hotwire and all that good stuff. But if you were not wanting to go through all those headaches, of customizing the initializer and adding in your own failure uh, handler, then you're able to just add the data turbo false. And then it just magically works. It just skips the Ajax request, does a page refresh if you're posting or whatever, and you know it works really well. Yeah, and it's actually one of the things that we do in the tutorial. Like mm -hmm. we installed device at some point, but I remember I was trying to find a, an issue uh, or a way to make it work with uh, Turbo, but I couldn't find one. There was like a video from GoRails explaining 
that you could monkey patch uh, some stuff. And <laughs> that was like really complicated. And so I ended up saying, okay, maybe we can, yeah, maybe we don't need a turbo on your login or sign up page. So you can just disable it with a data attribute and it works uh, perfectly. So uh, yeah, turbo is really like easy to work with and disabling it is also very easy if you, if you need. And so this is also something that is, yeah, it just works. And like, you know, if you work with React, at some point you are tempted to make all your application work with React because you already invested so much. So I guess this is one of the nice things uh, as well about Turbo. But as of today, I still work with React, so I'm not going to <laughs> to trash talk React too much. Uh, I do React at my day job, so, you know. I have to do React as well, but I, I don't have a problem trash talking it. So speaking of <laughs> talking, now that we're on the topic of React and that you have, you know, extensive experience with React, Alexander, and haven't gone through making all these tutorials and diving into Turbo, right? Have you, have you found things maybe lacking in Turbo that you like from React and vice versa? Like, are there things that are missing from each that could go well if they were co cohesive? Yeah, so that's a good question. I think that one of the aspects I like the most about React is that you can create your components. And so this is something that we don't have by default in uh, Rails. You have to use either view components or flex, which is the new, uh, newest addition to the, to the list of uh, view components gem. And so, yeah, I mean, depending on the size of the team you work in, I mean, at some point it uh, makes some sense to have some view components because you want your UI kit to look uh, the same everywhere. And so having components is nice, but this is something you can perfectly do with uh, Turbo and uh, the Rails ecosystem has multiple gems to handle, yeah, to handle components uh, in uh, Ruby and Rails. And so, yeah, you don't, you don't need uh, to, to go to the React route if you, if you don't want. Yeah. And I will say in React's defense, if you were just using React, is just sprinkles in your Rails application for some highly interactive content. It's not too bad, especially if they are simple components. My issue comes into play when you try to, you create one component, but then within there, you have a, another nested component, and then you have another nested component, maybe like four or five components in this overall feature thing, but then you need to pass data from the component deepest within up to the parent component at the top level. And that's where things, I think, get... a real nasty in React. And that's not even talking about using the React router or Redux or anything like that. There's just kind of like the organizational stuff on how React works and within the DOM. Yeah, yeah. Like passing state through multiple components mm -hmm. and then you end up having, I don't know, many files opened trying to go from file to file with your state to know where it comes from. Yeah, that's that's something that's difficult. And uh, yeah, like in my previous company where we had only this page, the code editor, that was really an interactive page that required React, even though it wasn't too bad because we didn't go all in into the React path, it was still a problem as a team because uh, we didn't all have the same skills uh, when it comes to React. And so even if it's on a single page, then it already creates some barrier uh, between all the developers because 
Uh, React is a skill and it requires some time to learn. And so, yeah, this is a, even, even if you don't go all in into the React path, I would say, then it still can be a problem if you, if you are in a small team and then some of the developers can't work on this feature. So this is why also I really enjoy working with Hotwire. Yeah, you know, working with Rails controllers and views for so long, it's it's definitely a, seems to be a a common problem, right? Of passing state around and where to put what, right? Like, because it's so easy from an active record standpoint. Just talking about that, right? Like to create n plus ones or to cause downstream problems because the state isn't kind of exclusively set up front, and it's kind of like. Not there. There isn't really a strong opinion on how to trickle those down through the views, right? And and I feel like we're starting to see that too with Turbo. In that we're trying to figure out where to put the state. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. <laughs> if you have like if you have some state in uh, Turbo, well, sometimes it's hard to manage it. You kind of store it into the data attributes where when you really have to, and so. Yeah, there are some cases where when Turbo alone is kind of complicated to work with. For example, like recently I did an integration with uh, Full Calendar. And so Full Calendar is a JavaScript library. And so you have like, if you want to create events into that calendar, uh, you will have to create a stimulus controller that wraps the calendar. And then you have a form, but the form sends data to the server. And when the data gets back, it's kind of hard to put it back into the calendar that is really this kind of JavaScript library that's standalone. So there are some issues like this, like when you still have to do some JavaScript. And in that case, yeah, it's it can be a bit painful because you have to do it all by hand. Uh, you don't have libraries like React that just abstract the complexity for you. And so, yeah, but apart from this case, I would say that it's, Mostly easier to work with uh, with Turbo than than React. It's actually kind of funny you mentioned full counter because I just released at the end of August an episode on full counter and stimulus. Oh yeah. And then this weekend I'm preparing the high interaction part of it where you have two different browsers. You make a event on one of the browsers and then get broadcasted through Turbo to all the other browsers, and then full counter picks up that change. And then refreshes the calendar. Yeah. So uh, it's definitely possible to do. There are some nuances with it, but I think you'll find that that's just part of the full calendar library and some of its limitations that you had to work around. But I just thought that was funny. But full calendar has kind of been one of those living JavaScript libraries that I always kind of go back to because it is so complex, because it has been around for the ages. And the different approaches to it over the years has been so different uh, just throughout the years, the approach they use to integrate it with the Rails app. Yeah. So, so do you guys, yeah. I was going to say, do you guys imagine now that the way that the, let's just focus on full calendar, like, do you imagine like full calendar Rails turbo gems to start coming up that help? wrap the complexity the right way uh, in the Turbo framework specific for the JavaScript? I don't know. Maybe, Dave, you have a, an opinion. I will definitely watch your, your video when it comes out because uh, that's my topic at the moment. Yeah, 
I mean, for full counters specifically, it would be very difficult because when you are recording an event or creating, updating an event on a calendar, every company is going to have their own specific requirements around that. So to build an engine around it, I think would be a bit cumbersome, or at least it would take in a lot of assumptions or still require a lot of work on the end user. But as far as just having certain kind of features in a stimulus controller that you can enable or disable through the initialization of the controller, I think that that could be possible to have some kind of library for. But I mean, to have it fully featured, I think would be a real challenge because everyone's use case is a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, what I worry is that we start to head down the, the path that we headed down with Rails Asset Pipeline, right? Where we had like the railsassets.org for a while, where mm-hmm. we were right hooking into and then basically just like loading up the JavaScript libraries that we wanted to get it into the asset pipeline. I'm kind of worried that we'll go that way with Turbo, the way that it's set up with working with external libraries where they're like full calendar, where they have specific things that are tricky to inject into the the libraries for JavaScript, right? That need that JavaScript feedback. Yeah, I think as far as the asset, the gosh, the RailsAsset.org that you mentioned, I used to love that because now I had a way that I could actually manage my JavaScript versions, and I really think that's what Import Maps and Yarn will do. So I don't think it's a true fair comparison to say that we would need something like that. But there is a GitHub repository, I forget what it's called, but they have a bunch of different stimulus components that you're able to do a lot of like routine things that you would most commonly want to do. So I think something like that could be a good thing or just having a uh, snippets of code of stimulus controllers that can perform whatever function you want. Now, do you need stimulus to use the Turbo framework or does it just make it easier? You don't. They are separate things. But they pair so nicely. So, Alexandra, what is your favorite part of the Hotwire umbrella? Like, what is the thing that gets you really excited that you just want to use every time you work on a Rails app? Yeah, so I think that stimulus is more like for finishing touches. You know, like maybe you want to make a drop down, so you are going to need to manage an open and closed state, things like that. But what I really enjoy about Turbo is probably turbo frames because then you just have to you know you you take one page and it's composed of uh, different parts so let's imagine that you have i don't know uh, an article with comments with different authors or things like that and you can manage each section independently just like if they were in uh, different pages so you can still have like a very crud uh, like organization uh, you're only making CRUD controllers that are very simple and you can have all of the different resources on the same page. And this is something that I use a lot when I work with uh, Turbo, one of my favorite parts. And also uh, there is this, if you want to make some real-time features, like, I don't know, you want to make a, a game that could be multiplayer or something like that, then it makes it very easy to work with Action Cable because you don't have to think about... Uh, like almost anything, right? There's a very simple API to work with Action Cable with the Turbo Rails integration. And so you can just broadcast a piece of HTML. It gets replaced in the page of everyone who's connected to that channel. And and that's it with like only a few lines of code. So those are my two favorite features. 
Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. What about you? The turbo frame tags, I think yeah. definitely. Because just an example that you were given, but also think of like a dashboard. I think dashboards yes. were kind of like that React go-to reason to use React a few years ago, or at least you know, in my small circle. That was the reason why my JS buddies were saying to use React. But now that's just no longer the case because you have a turbo frame tag. You add just that source attribute on there to some endpoint. And now that little tiny frame tag which is a calendar or it could be a graph or just a numeric metric or whatever, just makes a quick request back to the Rails application. You get the request back and then you get the information displayed. It's so easy. And what's really nice about that is a lazy loading yes. that if you have a really large page full of images, graphs, charts, whatever, then you don't need to load all of that if the user is not scrolling down. So as the user scrolls down, it'll then make that request to the Rails application to get the data to then display. Yes, and you, you also have that React-like feeling, you know, when you have the little loader and you can lazy load your frames. So in the case of a dashboard, you can just have the first page with no data at first with all the loaders and with lazy loaded frames, you can just have requests uh, get fired to the different controllers that each handle one resource. And then you get your dashboard just like this. Compared to what we we have to do in React, this is a great, great win, I guess. You know, it's kind of funny. Turbo frames to me seems like kind of just iframes, like re-implemented. <laughs> right where except where it used to be specific to or i guess more specific to external uh embedded websites right which i know i'm sure out there i haven't personally done it but i'm sure somebody abused it to make internal requests to make a bunch of iframes to split up the page to <laughs> in a similar way in javascript you could also target those frames like a turbo frame right but so to me that that's how i'm wrapping my brain around turbo frames in that it's just using the DOM and making these external requests to swap stuff out uh, and connect things to the back end. What I like about it is that it doesn't use a virtual DOM, right? Like that's where I always see kind of some some negative things about React, which can also be positive when you have caching and things like that in a virtual state. <laughs> but it, but it also decouples it, right? So like now that it's in the browser, all of these things are controlled by the browser rather than some external machine trying to resolve all of the dependencies in whatever is in it, right? <laughs> Which is how React works. And I, I'm not sure about Vue. Uh, I don't really know the internals of it as as much, but I'm, I'm kind of excited about that idea, right? And But I do worry because of how it's implemented so much in parallel with how iframes kind of are. And I, I'm suspicious that the naming of Turbo Frames is kind of a parallel to that. 
I, I worry that browsers will implement their own version. <laughs> and then we'll have to <laughs> worry about a, you know, adopting this new thing, which maybe would is, is too much to worry about at this stage. But it would be great if browsers had a native uh, turbo frame that you can do this with, you know. Well, back in HTML, we did HTML4, we did have frames, like that frame attribute, if you remember those. Like how every single website was laid out. You had this big, long oh, frame I, I on the I forgot about frames. <laughs> your header title or your logo mm-hmm. image was in a frame at the top. <laughs> so when I first heard turbo frame tags or turbo frames, I was worried that's what we were going back to, but I'm very glad it's not. <laughs> I don't know. The user experience on frames was amazing. There is something to be said about that. Alexander, I'm curious if you've looked into like speed, if you've done any benchmarks to see if usage of turbo or hotwire has kind of like reduced latency or uh, improved like overall like page performance. Are you tracking with like Google Lighthouse or something to see if that if it's been improved there? Yeah, so that's a good question. And unfortunately, I will be unable to answer because I like at my previous company, I left right after we did the implementation of Turbo. And now I work with React only. <laughs> so I'm very sad, but I don't have any any answers uh, to this. So if we're talking about performance uh, or speed in general, then I think especially with the adoption of if you're able to support H, uh, H2, HTTP2, where you have that living connection open and you're making multiple requests, then yeah, you can see a speed increase. But I don't think you can really compare it to React versus Hotwire in speed because you're both going to be making requests back to the Rails application or to whatever API backend to get the data. If you're having to render ERB, then that could be slower than serving just the raw HTML or the HTML is already loaded in React. Uh, you just then have to initialize that component. But if we're talking about speed, then we can't ignore the other halves of speed. You know, how fast can you create a stimulus turbo view with live interactions, updates from the server, and all that stuff, broadcasting to other users, how fast can you create that in Hotwire? And how fast can you create that in React? And then let's go to speed on how fast can you fix a bug in Hotwire and how fast can you fix a bug in a ugly React component? (laughs) Yeah, and (laughs) there's also how how much JavaScript you have to download from the server on initial page load when you're using React, which you don't have when you use Turbo because the library is much smaller. So yeah, I guess it's kind of hard to compare. Probably if we wanted to argue with a React fan, he would he would probably fan, find a, a way to, you know, to say React is faster. And But I like, like uh, how DHH says it. It's fast enough for the users. And so, I mean, at that point, do we care? I'm not sure. So this is this is the you know the argument that <laughs> I use now when uh, when I have arguments about uh, performance. Okay, maybe it's slower, but if it's fast enough, then I don't care. Yeah, I'll put it like this: I built something in React, and then I was not happy. I built the same thing in Hotwire, and I was happy. Yeah. So this is also a great argument. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think familiarity yeah, is 
speaks a lot. Yeah. If you were very vested into the React ecosystem, Vue or Angular, and if that is just what you do day in, day out, that's what your team is familiar with, that's what everyone in your organization is using, then it's probably a good fit for you all because you have that expertise there. But if you're starting out something new and you really don't know what to use, you don't have familiarity with React, you don't have familiarity with Hotwire, you are creating a Rails application, then I think hands down Hotwire wins. Yeah, and th this is something I'm wondering about because like all the companies that started to adopt React heavily, like the company I'm working at right now, it's probably very difficult to migrate to Turbo because everything's built in React. You have your design system in React, all your, your components, the teams know how to use uh, React. And so we're never going to migrate. And I'm wondering if the, like the startups that are created today, are they going to use Turbo much more than React? This is a question that uh, I'm like, I'm eager to have the answer about that one. Yeah, it's interesting too, because on JavaScript Jabber, I think it was last week, we talked to Mishko Hevery, who's the guy that created Angular, but we talked to him because he's created a new framework called Quick. And it's 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 got some interesting features as far as like, you know, the way that it fetches modules and things like that. But one thing that was really interesting is we were talking about Quick and talking about the product that they're building called Builder. It has a lot of this kind of thinking behind it where instead of having like fully managed spa type approach, yeah, it's using some of the HTML2 features and, you know, some of the or HTTP2 features and some of the other things out there and then letting you manage your pages in the same way that Stimulus does with just pulling in part of the page or, you know, partial refreshes or things like that. And if you have a different UI, you, you know, you may actually just click and it'll load another page that has different setup on it. Anyway, it was it was interesting to kind of see that some JavaScript folks are starting to look at an approach like this and kind of take it to heart. And this is quick, the front end framework, not to be confused with yeah. quick, the new HTTP3. No, so. it's the front end framework, QWIK. .builder.io is the quick.builder.io is the website for that. Anyway, so I'm just curious as we dive into this, a lot of people like to test their code. So do you provide any kind of test helper, test setup with uh, Rails Turbo? There is a custom assertion in the Turbo Rails library. Like there is an assert Turbo stream assertion that you can mm -hmm. use. So to be honest, I don't know if it exists in uh, RSpec. Probably you have to create it yourself. But I mean, this is something you can use if you really want to test that the view is going to be rendered properly. So what it does as a turbo stream, if I remember well, it checks the target. So the, the frame that you're going to target and the action that you're going to send. So for example, it's used in a controller test or request tests where you can say mm -hmm. like, when you, uh, I don't know, when you create a new command, uh, then you can say assert turbo stream commands. So the list of all the commands and the action should be prepend or append. So this is the kind of uh, assertions that you have built in into the Turbo Rails gem. But apart from that, in the tutorial, I used only a uh, capybara test if you want to have like full mm -hmm. uh, testing capabilities, but otherwise, uh, I guess it's also kind of uncommon to test views too much. Like, for example, if you want to 
like it's part of the framework, right? Right. So maybe you're not going to test that the frame is properly replaced. And if you want to really make sure, then you're going to use assert turbo stream to make sure that it has the right action and the right target. But apart from that, I don't test that much uh, the views. What about yep. you? For me, it's basic. I mean, if it's, yeah, just basic, you click here and it made an X- XHR request and got whatever it got, right? I'll probably have some kind of unit test and maybe some level of controller test if I'm really concerned about anything beyond kind of the basic functionality that's already in Rails. And then on the front end, it's the same deal, right? If it's, yeah, if it's just a fundamental, hey, this is something that this framework does over and over and over again, then yeah, I tend to not test that so much. But if there's a complex interaction, if I've written a bunch of JavaScript in one of the stimulus controllers, and I'm Mm -hmm. trying to make sure that it does what it's supposed to, I'll write a test around that. But yeah, I was just curious if, yeah, if you'd you know, kind of included Jest or something and said, hey, here's an easy way to test your stuff. I also test, I I have tested some of the fundamental framework functionality, but usually it's because I have some kind of thing that I screwed up and I want to make sure that I unscrewed it up and that it stays fixed. Yeah, I mean, sometimes if we have like very complex stimulus controllers, then maybe it would make sense to test them with Jest. But this is Mm -hmm. something I don't do very much like yeah most of the time my controllers are really uh, easy kind of uh, simple controllers like you want to open i don't know a model or a drop down or you want to just add css classes and remove them or things like that and in that case well i don't test my stimulus controllers and yeah as we mentioned mentioned earlier i don't test views that much and so yeah it, I guess it just works, and that's great. <laughs> that's what's great about it. You know, one thing I really liked about your tutorial was you you built a design system from scratch <laughs> and showed how how kind of easy it is. I I was I was really happy to see that. I, which I know there's a lot of like drive for tailwinds that lots of people love that, and I enjoy it too. But I, it was nice to see that you were you don't need to do that. Just follow these principles. Yeah, this is really funny, actually, because everybody's telling me like, okay, I like the tutorial, but I really enjoyed the CSS part. And this is really funny because that's not at all the goal of the <laughs> the tutorial, right? I just, I didn't want to use Bootstrap because you've seen it everywhere. And so I wanted to make like, as the code editor that we built is also on the website, I wanted it to, uh, I wanted to design it a bit. So this is why I ended up building my own CSS. But yeah, I I really enjoy CSS as well. And so I have like all, all a lot of rules uh, that I use on every project. Like uh, I set variables for everything, like the colors, the spacings, the font sizes. I store all of it in a variable file. And right after it becomes really easy to make some CSS. Oh, and there's also the media query uh, mixing that I use everywhere, you know, like include uh, if the if the size of the screen is, uh, so I name them tablet, uh, mobile and up or tablet and up or things like that because I use mobile first approach. And so when you have like media queries like this and CSS variables, then you're already done all of the job, right? So I guess it's the... It's one of the reasons Tailwind is so popular 
because it already gives you the media queries and all the variables. But apart from that, you have to build all the stuff yourself, right? So, I mean, I think that those two approaches are kind of equivalent, but yeah, it's a matter of preference after. And also, yeah, Tailwind people, they are going to say, well, I just want to stay in one file. I don't want to name my components. This is a strong argument in the Tailwind community. But in the end, you will still have to name your view view component because most of the time you don't keep the markup like this. Otherwise, it becomes hard to maintain. And so, yeah, the CSS part was really appreciated. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> yeah, with Tailwind, you don't need to know any of the thousands of CSS like commands, components, or anything. You just had to know the thousands of Tailwind ones. Well, yeah, but they match... They match the CSS, right? So there's one utility per CSS uh, declaration. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's exactly the same. For me, it's exactly the same, but written in a different format, right? So if I say text, uh, text large in Tailwind, then it's the same for me to use my like font size variable text large. So mm -hmm. it's exactly the same. But I, I mean, yeah. This is this is kind of funny because there's there's always this argument between Tailwind users and non-Tailwind users. This is why I, I don't want to give my opinion. <laughs> but yeah. no, really, really my opinion is that it's the same. Like yeah. if you use Tailwind and then it's the same as if you use media queries and variables in your CSS style sheets. I don't know what you think, but I think that Tailwind basically looks like my computer vomited all over my HTML. I mean, yeah. I think that's probably the most accurate description that I can give Tailwind. So be sure to listen to this episode till the end because one of my picks addresses that issue. But I've been a big bootstrap fan ever since like release two. And that's what everything I have created runs on. Except now I have been looking at Tailwind because it is intriguing to have a more consistent UI feel and stuff, but I still think it looks like vomit all over my HD. Yeah, yeah. And this is why, like, I, I do like both approaches, but I prefer having my CSS into CSS files just because it makes my HTML nicer. But apart from that, it's exactly the same approach whether you write. I mean, what Tywin provides really is the media queries and the variables. That's my take on it. And so if I define the media queries and the variables into a CSS file, then it's the same, right? But I have a nicer uh, markup and I have to name my components. So that's yeah. kind of the trade-off here. I, I know we're talking about CSS a lot, but it, it's kind of funny, right? Because Rails, their like motto now is like giving you everything you need to know from going, you know, from startup to public company. Right. And CSS styling your website is like a pivotal part of that. Like you can't, you can't release a Rails app without styling anything. Like people won't use it. Right. <laughs> Craigslist will like to argue that point. Well, Challenge who uses accepted. Craigslist? <laughs> to be honest, like, you know, Craigslist has lost a lot of user base. And I think there's a lot to be said there. Right. Is like, and the it's still styled, web. it's just minimalist. <laughs> the web is feature rich now and people expect it to look a certain way. And personally, I would like to see 
some more opinionated styles out of the Rails template where it you can just Rails new and it looks nice too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And even those days, that's when I start a new application, what takes the most time is actually the design because Rails made such a good job at abstracting all the complexity. Like you want to make a CRUD app with Rails, it's going to take you very little time. You just make a scaffold and (laughs) you're almost done, right? And so, yeah, you're left with the styling, which can be really tricky. Yeah, let's talk about Rails G scaffold. (laughs) Valentino, what more do you want? It looks pretty nice. (laughs) When you can come back with a product that's making you enough money to live on your own. (laughs) (laughs) I'll listen. Based on the (laughs) scaffold CSS. Based on the scaffold only. (laughs) Yeah, but no, what Alexandra is saying, which makes a ton of sense, is that out of the box, you basically get all of the CRUD operations you want for free. And if you're good with JBuilder and friends, then you kind of get a JSON API out of it too. I mean, you know, it doesn't solve necessarily like authentication and stuff off the bat. But you can pull in some gems, bolt some stuff together, and you're you're well on your way. Yeah, and I I do agree with your approach, Alexandra. About you know if you don't need to bring in a CSS framework like Bootstrap or Tailwind or whatever else, then why bring it in? Because it's that kind of mindset that people got trapped into. Like they don't know why they're bringing something in; they're just bringing it in. That's how we got so many React applications out there. Yeah. Yeah, but I miss jQuery. (laughs) (laughs) But Bootstrap is like, it gives you a huge boost of speed. If you're really in a hurry to create your project, you get all those components and you don't have to redesign them by yourself. Because even though like, whether you're using Tailwind or vanilla CSS, you're still going to have to redesign a button, redesign a form, redesign a model, redesign a navbar. And all of this takes a lot of time. And yeah, I, I mean, if, if you're really like making a project that you just want to try something, then I, I think it makes a lot of sense to uh, use Bootstrap, for example, because you're going to have all your components. And then, yeah, you just have to, to configure it a little to change the primary color to your brand, uh, brand color. And uh, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of, of Bootstrap as well, because uh, I think it's like if you don't want to write too much CSS, then you can just rely on that and customize it a bit and it will look good enough. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah, you know, with, with view component, I was kind of hopeful that there would turn into some kind of front-end library available that would snap into Rails, right? Which I know there is some work out there to make compo- view components uh, like this, like MateStack as an example, which is built on top of view, but it, it hooks into Rails because a lot of the backend can be written in Ruby for some of the components, right? But I was hopeful that we would get that kind of, which I know view component isn't part of Rails. And I, I know what why there's hesitation. <laughs> but it's just, I have a feeling, you know, we just keep recreating more alternatives too, right? To do these same things where we have these isolated things that we want, which basically is where Turbo Frames is driving, right? is you have an isolated component and you want to update its state and, you know, swap it out with things. But there's no, like, opinionated way to display that, right? 
It's yeah. use use one of these frameworks if you want that kind of functionality, right? I don't know if that's really a bad thing because if you remember back in the Bootstrap two and three days, any website that was using that framework, you could tell instantly, oh, they're using Bootstrap. <laughs> yes. Oh and yeah. I think we would get that exact same thing with Rails, and I think it would actually hurt the Rails community more than it would help it. You know, honest opinion. Yeah, I, I agree, and also probably it's one of the reason like why less and less people are using Bootstrap today because they want their website to look more unique. And this is one of the pains I, I have with Bootstrap is like when I use it and don't heavily customize it, then the website ends up looking like all the websites. And yeah, so this is probably something you can't cut. You know, if you want to have a really nice design, then you have to write your own CSS. There is no, no way around. I mean, the, yeah, but the yeah, you can you can bolt stuff on top of it to give it a different enough look. Anyway, go ahead, Valentino. I was just going to say that the advantage to something like Bootstrap, especially now with the current version, is like, the, you know, you could buy a new Bootstrap theme that could make it look unique pretty easily and you didn't have mm-hmm. to do any work. Hmm. And we, we don't really have that in Rails as, other than using Bootstrap and buying a theme for it, right? Or... <laughs> or some other alternative, like there are Tailwind ones to, you know, but you have to like make all of the elements and, and things in certain ways and it forces you into whatever right pattern that is. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm getting at is like we have no kind of framework to inject some theme into it, which w- could be beneficial, right? Like I understand, Dave, your point. We don't want everything looking the same for sure. And if we had a default, maybe that would encourage it to look the default every time, for sure. I certainly don't want to customize CSS if I'm just trying something out, right? But I don't want to customize CSS either way, to be honest. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't know where the best thing... I, I just know that there could be something extra that could be provided that is standardized, right? Yeah, that, that would be nice. And I think that uh, Joel Draper, who is creating Flex, but I don't want to speak for him, so... But I think he it's one of his ideas like to have a standard uh, library of components that you could just use, like, you know, view components, but uh, so it's kind of the same idea, but uh, you would have some default styling and probably it would be nice. But I'm not, not 100% sure it's going to happen soon. So we have to ask him. All right. Well, anything else we want to jump on here before we do picks? All right. Let's do picks. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Dave, share some picks. All right, so I'm going to throw out there, I am a big bootstrap fan, but i am also been familiarizing myself with Tailwind, and I very much dislike the HTML CSS markup vomit all over my HTML. So my pick today is called Daisy UI, which goes on top of Tailwind. And they've taken a bootstrap component kind of feel to it, where if you want a nicely styled bootstrap looking uh, button, then you just add the class button, button primary, secondary, or whatever. And then it'll apply all the proper tailwind styling to it. And it's very extensible and very configurable with different themes. 
just out of the box, including a instant dark mode. So you get that for free, basically. So I've been playing around with that, and it kind of makes it, you know, kind of puts Tailwind in check and brings it back into more reasonable, you know, finish HTML markup. Cool. Valentino, what are your picks? So I have uh, two picks here. My first one is my coworker, Ben Simpson. He wrote this awesome article on uh, how we're integrating Neo4j into our stack and building a kind of a data pipeline. If you're not familiar, Neo4j is a, a graph database, and we use it for a lot of, you know, connecting data. It's super fast and uh, makes things much easier to use than a traditional relational database. And my next pick is Ruby Kaigi's going on. I'm half following along with their virtual event where I can. And I'm really excited to, to dive into some of those videos as they come out probably in a few weeks. So check those out. Awesome. So I'm going to throw out some picks. I managed to get around to playing board games with my friends again. So I have new board game picks. Of course, I have to go find the name of the game. So let me talk about some other stuff too while I figure it out. Oh, here we go. It's, the game we played was called Irish Gage. And it's relatively simple. Board Game Geek gives it a weight of 2.36. It is, we were joking, but it really does kind of uh, line up with it. It's kind of a mix between Acquire, if you've played Acquire. If you haven't, I should pick that next week because it's a fun game. But uh, Acquire and Ticket to Ride. And so effectively what you wind up doing is you build trains between cities in Ireland and you can take actions like build trains. You can buy stock in the train lines. You can uh, upgrade a city, stuff like that. Anyway, it's it's pretty awesome. I've really, really enjoyed playing it the other night. They have two follow-on games with it too, and I haven't played those yet, but they, they get a, progressively more complicated. But anyway, Irish Gage, you can play it with three to five people. We played it with four. And so, yeah, you build the train lines out and then you, when you call for dividends, then you look at the number of cities that it connects to of certain kinds and then you pay out the money, right? And you could do dividend, 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 right? And run the game out of money, I guess. But anyway, it was really, really fun and relatively simple to figure out and play. In fact, the instructions for the game, if you've ever played board games that have like a booklet that come with them, here's how you play the game. This one, it was one sheet front and back for the direction. So it was it was pretty simple. I think it took us about an hour to play it. And yeah, it was fun. So I'm going to pick that. And then I've been playing with some stuff. I have been banging my head against the wall with like building courseware and stuff in Rails. And I've kind of been playing with Kajabi again, and I'm really liking it. So I'm going to pick Kajabi. It doesn't give like the exact structure I want, but I think it gives stuff that I can use and I want to start putting stuff out there for people to use. So anyway, that that's one thing I want to shout out. And then the other thing I want to shout out about is I'm getting pretty specific on the things that I can help people with in their careers, you know, just kind of figuring out what what you're going to do with your career and how that can make you happy and finding fulfillment and maybe doing something that's a little bit outside the mainstream of, you know, working 10 to 15 years in order to become a top end, highly demanded senior developer and instead maybe, you know, be putting out courses or, you know, working for the company that really, you know, hits all the check marks that you have for, for the, the kind of job you want 
or being able to move up more quickly than, you know, waiting around for the three, five or seven years or 10 years or whatever it's going to take for them to want to hire you at the level you want them to. And, and I've kind of skipped a lot of steps in my own career and made it work. And so I want to show other people how I'm doing that. So if you're interested in any of the coaching on any of that stuff, I'm kind of working out my signature method for that and, and helping people figure out how to be trailblazers in their own careers and be able to do that in a few years instead of a long time. So if you go to topendevs.coaching, topendevs.com slash coaching, you can get on a call with me and we can talk about what you want and how you can get there and how I can help you. So I'm just going to throw that out there as uh, something that I'm doing. And finally, the last thing is I am starting a developer book club and we're going to do weekly calls. Um, I have enough connections to where I can typically get the author. And if I can't, then I can typically get somebody who's enough of an expert in whatever the book's about to come and you know participate in the call. So if you're interested in doing that, just go to topendevs.com slash, I think I'm going to put it under courses and then you can sign up for it. But we'll just do a book every month or two, depending on the length of the book and the amount of stuff we have to cover. And we'll just kind of roll through them. I haven't picked the first book. So if you have thoughts on the book that people ought to read, let me know. But uh, anyway, those are my picks. Alexandre, what are your picks? I didn't really prepare a pick, but I I watched one conference of the RailsConf. I don't know if it kept counted as a pick, but it was the one on yeah. a- Active Record. I have to find it back, actually. It's a conference that explains the main classes of Active Record and how they work together. Oh, cool. And it was really, really, really interesting. Like my favorite talk for this year, I just found it back. So it's called Reflecting on Active Record Associations by Daniel Colson. It was really, really interesting. Like in 30 minutes, you know the main classes, what they do, how they're linked together, and you can start, well, reading the source code of Active Record if you feel like it. Probably a bit ambitious, but uh, yeah, it was a really great talk. Cool. All right. If people want to check out your tutorial or get in touch with you some other way, how do they find you? You can find me on Twitter. The uh, My Twitter handle is Alexandre underscore Ruban. And yeah, the, the tutorial is on hotrails.dev. So you can find me there. And my Twitter link is also on the website. Awesome. All right. We'll go ahead and wrap up here. Thanks for coming. This was a lot of fun to kind of dive into and talk about. And until next time, folks, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.